Life in all its myriad forms cover the jewel of the solar system, Earth. The planet we call home boasts an amazing array of flora and fauna, with the dominant species, us, perched atop the global food chain. But is that perch as secure as we believe it to be? And as we look down, do we truly see all that exists in the shadow of the pedestal of our own creation? Or does hubris blind us to that which we cannot easily see? There are those who say winged creatures glide through moonlit skies or glare from the darkness with crimson eyes. Are the plaster cast footprints filling display cases in museums around the globe proof of the existence of the creature indigenous people of North America named Sasquatch in bygone days? Or are they all part of an elaborate hoax perpetrated against an all too often gullible society? And are we justified in embracing the evidence of eyewitness accounts and other evidence, or equally justified in denying that any new thing could be discovered under the burning light of day or the cool rays of a full moon? Are cryptids such as Mothman and Bigfoot actual living creatures, or do they only haunt the fertile forests and fields that border the pathways leading through the shadows of legend? Hello, this is Charles Romans, your host for Shadows of Legend. Today we'll be speaking with Steve Kaufman. He's from Maryville, Louisiana, and he's wanting to share some encounters he's had. Well, Mr. Kaufman, how are you this evening? Uh, doing all right, doing all right. Well, that's good to know. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing, all right. doing better than I had been. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I know what you're talking about. Been there, done that. <laughs> so, uh... As I usually say, the best place to start is at the beginning. When and where was your first encounter with the strange and the paranormal? Well, uh, my whole life's been tied up in that. But this one incident in particular actually occurred in Arkansas. And uh, and that was back in 1975, a whole lifetime ago. And... uh, I was in the military, uh, stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana back then, and uh, I uh, had a girlfriend that I would go to see on weekends. Uh, she lived outside of Camden, Arkansas, on a farm, her family farm, and uh, so uh, I went up there on weekends, and, and uh, I mean, just to get off a of post, because on weekends, when you're in the military, on weekends, they have a special duty, and, and uh, we've, they go for the ones who are off and who are still on the compound. If you're there, guess who they pick? So <laughs> I make myself scarce. Right. Don't be available, <laughs> but, definitely. <laughs> no. Well, you don't want to have to get all that extra duty, you know, sir. So I hightailed up there, and uh, it was about a four-and-a-half-hour drive for me out there, but it was a beautiful drive. and way out in the woods. Uh, it was about 10 miles outside of Camden, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I go there on weekends and, you know, uh, got to know her family real well, good country folks. And uh, her uh, her dad and me became good friends. And, and uh, even though I was only a 19-year-old soldier, you know, and he's about 40 at the time, and, yeah. you know, uh, he was a farmer. And I'd go up there. They had a 250-acre farm. And uh, I'd go up there to help him work his cattle, feed the hogs, you know, tend to the chickens and build fence and all that kind of thing. Just to go ahead and help out on the farm. I love that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I imagine he's uh, glad to get the help, too. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, he had two other sons, you know, and, and but that, that farm was pretty good size, so we were all spread out. And, you know, uh, I just enjoyed going ahead and doing things like that. And, but in any case, this one particular uh, Friday evening, I had gotten up there, and uh, we just finished supper. And uh, his his uh, his mama, which was uh, my girlfriend's granny, 
she had she was an amazing cook. Boy, she can cook some fried chicken. She can cook some cornbread. She can cook up some things that just make you want to go ahead and cut a flip. And uh, that's one of the reasons. Oh, son, let me tell you something. I I go up there, and I go up there, and I tell you right now, it's competition between me and Granny and my girlfriend. Because uh, I, 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 if it wasn't for she was 150 years older than me, I'd gone with her. But <laughs> she can cook. But uh, uh, not that my girlfriend couldn't. But you know, what I'm saying that guy was about 70 years old at the time, and I mean, just just real good. Strong Pentecostal type of woman. I mean, she was very, very nice. Yeah. Well, it's one particular night we was all hunkered down after supper uh, in a den, and uh, me and her and her mama and her daddy and her brothers, and we were watching TV about 9.30 that night. And Granny was in the kitchen, you know, washing up and washing dishes. And I'm trying to give you the, the picture of this now so you can kind of get, you know, the gist of it. It was out there in the woods. Okay. This, this house was was about two or three miles maybe from another house, another farm. So it was spread out pretty good and a lot of country over there. And in any case, so we heard her scream. And I'm talking about bloody murder type scream. Well, we all jumped up, ran down the hallway. It was an old country home up on Pylons because it lived not too far from a river. Okay. Uh, evidently, it overflowed, so that's why they had it up on Pylons. We ran through it, and you could hear it crick. And I don't know if you ran through a house on Pylons before, but it's an old wooden house. It cricks like, you know, like it's fall apart. Anyway, got there to the kitchen, ran inside there. I was the first one there. I almost cut a flip over her. She's sitting on the floor on a high end point at the kitchen window. And she was just yelling, I've seen it again, I've seen it again. Well, uh, you know, I'm assuming it's an intruder. Uh, my well, first would, yes. on my military mind. Oh, sure. Her family knew better because you know when she said I seen it again, evidently it's come around before, and so her daddy knew exactly what it was. He didn't tell me. No one let me on to anything. Right. And so well, he just said, "Grab a gun." We had he had a bunch of rifles and shotguns hanging on racks in the hallway. And so we all started, we grabbed weapons and armed up and went out the back door. And, um, of course, uh, my girlfriend and her mama stayed inside her to tend to granny because she was pretty shook up. Uh, we went out there and, uh, you know, even though this happened 46 some odd years ago, I, I remember like it was yesterday. And so we went out there, her brothers went to the right, me and her, and her daddy went to the left. And I want to set this up, the stage for this. It was a very, very bright moon. The night was uh, it was illuminated with the moon, and if you know what I'm talking about, how that moon can be like daylight almost. You can see, you know, for a hundred yards and uh, pretty clearly. And it was it was like that. It was a very bright moon, so we could see. I could see the cattle across the pasture. Uh, they were all hunkered up, cutting up, which meant there was some kind of a, a predator out there. Could have been anything. Now, I'm glad you uh, so, that out about the moon because. Yeah. Most people that live in the yeah. city don't really realize how bright the moon is. Oh, everything's filtered yeah. by street lights and stuff like that. But when you're out in the country, exactly. a full moon on a clear night, yes. it is mm-hmm. you know, almost daylight. Almost daylight, and that's that's it. And I, I'll tell you what, I, I, it, it just illuminated everything. And like I said, the cattle being on the other side of the pasture, all hungered up, cutting up. That 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 could have been, like I said, anything. Because out in the woods, I live in the woods right now. I, in here in Louisiana, I live out in. I mean, in the woods. When I say in the woods, it's about six miles out my back door through the woods to the next house. I live out in the woods. And so I'm used to I love that kind of thing. And 
And so, uh, you know, it, it just you're right. The illumination, how it gets at nighttime when it's night. Of course, stars are so bright. It's, you can see the Milky Way. You can see everything. Uh, you know how that is in the country. So uh, in Kentucky, it's beautiful. I've been to Kentucky many times, so I know how beautiful that is over there. Oh, and, uh, oh no problem. I'll, I'll, it's Kentucky, Tennessee. I'm just sold on those two states right there because my – uh, I just love it. I mean, they're just absolutely gorgeous. But, um, any case, um, so as we were out there, I said, I noticed the cattle. What caught my attention really did kind of lock my shoes was the fact that his three blue tick hounds, his hunting dogs, uh, were under the porch and they were whining. And these are full grown blue. And if you know anything about blue tick hounds, they run things out there, trained to tree, run, I mean, anything for the woods. Um, they were under the report under the report. And that kind of sent stop even what in the world are we after. That's an intruder. Right. Uh, see, I'm back in my mind, you know. I was going to say, you know, you mentioned I, the dogs being hunkered <laughs> down like that. Uh, right. People don't, unless someone works with dogs or has dogs, you know, we're talking about, you know, country hunting dogs. These are animals that right. are trained to go after stuff rather than hide from it. So it'd have to be something major to make a hunting dog hide. Not kidding, man. That's what caught my attention. So I've been around hunting dogs all my life. I'm deer hunted and squirrel hunted, rot, rot, you know, a hog hunted, everything all my life. And, and so, right. you, them train, them dogs, seeing them dogs like that, there's something big and bad in the woods. And that caught my attention. So now I asked Bobby, which is my, my, my uh, girlfriend's daddy, I said, Bobby, what are we going after? He said, don't worry about it. Just stay close behind me. Now That's my military all, mind's going to hurt my hand. No, I'm telling you, we're after something that he won't let on what it is. And so uh, we got about five about five foot from the corner post. Now the corner post we had where we were flowing towards, the pasture was huge. Well then we had we had just built a fence a few months prior to that that separated the pasture from a fifty acre swamp. Okay. Bad swamp. He wanted that fence built because he didn't want his cattle getting off in there and getting stuck and bogged down. Perfect so we sense. put it down, and it was built, yeah, it was built out of, we made it out of a four-foot cattle panel with a stretch of barbed wire over it. It's about five foot high. So as we're going towards that corner post, we started catching a stench, and it was pretty massive. I mean, it was pretty bad. It was uh, like matted piss. I mean, it, it, and something did, mixed up together. And about that time, we heard something. We jumped something up, evidently, in the thicket. And right outside the fence, and it started, I mean, and to me, it sounded like a 2,000-pound rhino twisting and turning in, in, in the thicket. I mean, cutting limbs, breaking limbs, it's making a racket. And then all of a sudden, that's this is the point where my world changed right here. Okay. Everything I was taught in public school to believe existed and didn't exist in this world just went down the tube. And I get chills even going back to this. Like I said, it's 46 years ago and it still gives me chills. And I'm 60, almost 67 years old now. You see, it's a major uh, event is, is what you're building up to. Uh, to say it lightly, at that time, all of a sudden, this thing jumps the fence. Not 25 foot in front of us. I mean, we walked it off the next, the next morning. We did a recon just to go ahead and, and it was about 25 foot from where we were standing. This thing clears the fence, that five foot fence. And Again, like I said, it had a stretch of barbed wire over it. Didn't touch it. When it landed on the ground in front of us, it stood up. This all happened in a matter of seconds. It stood up. And it stood up is like it never would end. I mean, it just stood up. And I, we're looking at this thing. I'm, I'm frozen. I'm, I, I'm looking. What in the world? What is this? And it's like a man. Now, that in my mind, I'm thinking it's got to be a bear. 
because I've seen bear, many bear, and they stand up like a man. They can stand straight up. They can walk like a man. Yes. This thing stood straight up. It's profiled. Now, understand, it wasn't looking directly at us when it jumped the fence. It's flank of us. So it's looking, you know, to the, to the right of us. We see its profile. It's not the profile of a bear. It doesn't have a snout. It has a man's profile. And, it's, it, you know, but it's like eight foot tall, okay, covered in long, stringy hair, very massive and very muscular. Now, this is where I knew it wasn't a bear, not, not just for the, the facial features, because a bear, I've seen many grizzlies, I've seen black bears and everything. Bears have distinct figures and distinct, distinct um, uh, energy of their body. They have sloped shoulders, okay? This thing had broad, massive shoulders. It had to have been three and a half, four foot broad across the shoulders. That is not what a bear, that is not, that's my bear out the picture right there. Right. In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm hoping this is a bear. But I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't. Again, this all happened in a matter of seconds. I'm just kind of slowing it down for you, the picture of it. And then it just ran from us. It ran across the pasture, ran away. Thank God it did, because all I had was a 12-gauge, and, and Bobby had a 410. At the size that thing was, all those things would have done them, like pop guns, and would have pissed it off, and it would come after us and probably tore us in a thousand pieces. Yeah, you probably would But it ran away from us. Just as well shot it with a no, pellet rifle. <laughs> exactly right. Can you imagine something that big? I mean, it had to, be, it had to weigh at least 700 pounds. Easy. That was massive. Oh, yeah. Well, as it ran from us, we watched it, and the stride was, I mean, it was more, I mean, if you had a six-foot-six guy in a suit, he couldn't have made that stride. There's no way. Um, it, it was, the stride was almost five foot. We measured all that the next day. But in any case, we watched it run. They didn't come across the pasture. We had just built a cattle gate for that for that um, for that uh, um, field over there, and uh, that cattle gate was for his bring his tractor in and such like that. Right. Um, it it was made. And this cattle gate was made out of two by sixes, oak two by sixes. And if you know a lot about oak or anything about oak, it's a very heavy, heavy and hard wood. Yes. And you ain't gonna break oak. <laughs> Well, this thing ran right through it and it crashed through that. And I mean, made a racket and when it crashed through it, it had it a, a roar and this roar was unlike any roar I've ever heard in my life. And I've lived in the woods. I've heard, I've heard all kind of critters go ahead and make roars and growl and roar and everything else. I've heard hula owls. I've heard coyotes. I've heard wolves. I've heard panthers. I've heard it all. Yeah, this is unlike anything. I couldn't match it to anything. If I had that match to anything at all, to give you an understanding, it's it sounded like first like a panther, how they scream, it's like a woman. Yeah, and then it ended. It ended, bellowed out and ended like an elephant or a lion. That bassy, just massive roar that echoed through the woods. And that made my hair stand up. And I didn't have much hair being in the military, and we had to have it short. It stood up. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm like, my goodness, son, what in the world is it? Well, when it ran, we, I, I said, Bobby, we, I ain't going after this thing. <laughs> I don't know what it is. He said, well, I ain't either, because when it ran through that gate and went on there, it, you know, it, it was uh, nothing but uh, huge thorn bushes out there and, and all uh, honey oaks and stuff like that. And I, I, we ain't going through that. So uh, about that time after it roared, here come his, his sons, uh, my girlfriend's brothers, around the other corner of the house. They said, y'all hear that? And I said, here, we heard the damn thing, man. We just didn't hear it. We said it. 
You seen it? I said, yeah, we seen it. Well, you know, adrenaline was running. We were all trying to calm down. Uh, Bobby was going crazy. He's seen this thing, you know, a few times before, you know, and uh, so uh, they're all they're all just freaking out. And I'm I'm trying to in my mind, I'm trying to grip what I just seen. I understand? Right. I, 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 my mind still ain't accepted it yet. I'm still. Is it a bear? It wasn't a bear. It wasn't. I mean, what was it? Well, <laughs> Bobby, he he, kept, he broke down, and he he just said, I don't know what to do. This thing's been coming around for a while. He said, I don't know how to protect my family. What do I do? And I said, Bobby, I said, what? what, what is it? He, said, he said, I don't know what it is. Well, uh, I, I, you know, I said, look, I, I come up, my mind's thinking 100,000 miles around. Uh, why don't we go ahead and get a hold of wildlife and fisheries? Have them come out here? He said, no, uh-uh. I ain't calling no law. I don't want no one out here because back in 75, Camden was a very small town. That's where they went to church at, did their business at, you know, uh, and uh, sold their, you know, vegetables at and everything else they grew. Right. Uh, and they didn't want, they, and back then, you talk about seeing something like this, people are going to look at you like you've got five heads. And so, uh, well, yes, yeah, he didn't want that. No, oh, yeah. And so, you know, he said, please don't talk about this. I don't want the word getting out. And I said, well, yes, sir, it's your property, your land, and I'm not going to go ahead and say a thing. So I kept my mouth shut. And, you know, that night we went, and, well, before we went in the house, her um, oldest brother was about six foot four. So I went ahead and I said, would you mind standing under this kitchen window? Because like I said, the house was on pounds. Yeah. And uh, raise your hand up as high as you can. And he did. And at six foot four, raising his hand up as high as he could, his finger stretched out all the way, could barely touch the bottom rim of that kitchen window. Which pretty much put in context that uh, whatever looked in that window at Granny had to be at least eight foot tall or taller. I had to be. So I was thinking about um, that as and, you were saying that, to, to just be standing mm-hmm. there and see the top right. of something's head. It would have to be eight foot tall just to see the top of its head. So it may Which, have cleared saw, eight feet. Yeah, it had to, yeah, at least eight, maybe eight and a half. It looked in the window. She's seen its face. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to get to that point in a second. But, okay. Um, after that happened, I, you know, of course, you know, uh, I looked at Bobby and I said, Bobby, I said, look, I said, uh, I'm not trying to question anything you've done here this evening, but I said, when we grabbed weapons in the house and you said, let's go out there, I thought this was an intruder. Yes. I said, why didn't you tell me what the hell we were going after? I said, I, I, I would appreciate it. You told me that. He said, would you come <laughs> out, this, oh, out the house? Fair and question. I, I, you know, I, good question. I said, you know, well, uh, yeah. So I kind of calmed me down a little bit, and I said, well, yeah, I, I probably would have still come out, but uh, I, but still, I mean, hey, who knows, you know? Yeah, we're going after an eight-and-a-half-foot monster. I mean, I, you know what? So, in any case, went in the house. I could calm down a little bit. Granny was calmed down at that point. Yes. I asked her, I said, Granny, I said, look, I said, uh, uh, I'm not trying to give you nightmares. I'm not trying to go ahead and make you any upset than you are now. More upset. But I said, we've seen this thing. We saw it. We yeah. didn't see its face straight on. We saw its profile. So we saw the profile of a man. He wasn't a bear. We know that. You've seen it in the window. She goes, yes, I have a few times. And I said, okay. Uh, what it looked like, if you don't mind me asking. And she said, well, her exact words to me and like a giant man's face only it wasn't no man she said his skin was very rough and had hair all around its head all around it but no hair on its face so i take it that she was talking about no hair around you know its nose or its cheeks it was pretty much like man's skin but very rough looking and kind of dark but it had big red glowing eyes 
And that kind of threw me off. Now, yeah. I wouldn't doubt her because I know we've seen out there. I know we've seen out there. I, I wouldn't doubt her one second. Yes. But uh, I never could have grasped I, what red eyes, red glowing eyes. That's kind of like, you know, I don't know, vampire stuff to me. Well, well, you know, so, that that uh, brings up a question here. I, when you, when you mm-hmm. say something like mm-hmm. red glowing eyes, most people at that point think of, of a supernatural entity rather than an actual right. physical flesh and blood creature. So right. did you ever get any impression that this was something supernatural you were dealing with? Or was it just a, just a, a, a strange creature you'd never seen before? Okay. I did think it was something supernatural in that sense because you know living in the woods and i've seen i've seen you know um all kind of critters and never seen any red eyes before you know so that that kind of you know other than a bat i mean but other than even that but so uh, for years after that you know of course i I won't understand understand this too after uh, after you know this event happened yes we never talked about it again and we never did. After I went back to post that Sunday, we never talked about it again. Even after I come back there several times after that, uh, we never talked about it again. It was never brought up again because he asked me to keep my mouth shut. And I did that. I respected that. Yes. So for about 44 years, I kept my mouth shut. I didn't talk about this. No one knew about it. I'm married. I got married in 84 when I came out to the military in 81. Uh, I stayed here in Louisiana and uh, been living here ever since, out here in the woods. And... Uh, you know, me and my wife, I didn't tell her. I didn't tell my two sons. I got two sons. One's 35, one's 34. Um, and, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, I didn't tell them until just recently when I started coming out with this. And I'll explain that in a minute. But that's, you know, all living all your life and, and you know, most of your life and, and from 19 to 64 years old and not talking about this for that many years, it, 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 it crusts up inside you and it, it, causes a lot of frustration the thing about it is i uh you know i and i i didn't bring it in i just keep inside myself didn't want to talk about anything about it or anything else on myself now going hunting in the woods out here and stuff every time i go out in the woods and hunt it's on my mind what if i see one out here what if i see one out here being all the years i've lived out here my wife's been married 40 years now since 84 i've never seen one out in the woods out here in louisiana i have never i wish i can tell you i have i have not and I hunted all these woods out here in these swamps. I have never seen a creature like I seen that night in Arkansas. Now I have friends of mine who have. I, I'm a family member out here in Louisiana who have seen them in this area. I yes. never have. I had a partner of mine tell me. He said, "Hey, buddy." He said, "Look, Steve." He said, "Being you saw this thing in Arkansas, where you live in the woods, you can be saying you see them every night, and people believe you." I said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, I ain't gonna do that. It would, it would, it, it would kill what I when what I've actually seen." And it would belittle it, and I'm not going to do that. So I haven't seen anything out here in Louisiana. Um, and will I? I don't know. I don't want to. I have no. I I have no ambition to see one again. I don't. You know, my same partner asked me why I'm going back to the house out there in the woods and go ahead and start doing some tree knocks and call one up. I told him. I said, "Hey, Bubba," I said, "I'm going to tell you right now. I didn't want to see the one I seen in '75. I sure don't want to call one up to see one again. I have no desire to." And uh, I just. I mean, I've researched them a little bit, this and that, but I have no desire to go on Bigfoot hunts. I've been asked to go on the Kasachi Forest. I've been asked to go different places with different people. You know, man, look, you know, let's go out here and hunt these things. Uh-uh. 
I'm not, I mean, mother didn't raise no fool. I'm not go out there, son. <laughs> go ahead and go. I mean, I respect if you want to go, and I respect these guys who go out there and hunt these things. That's fine. That's for them, and that's great. Now, I wish them the best, but not me. I, I just, you know. But uh, in any case, so uh, that night, back at, at the house, we went ahead and uh, we had a coffee pot going all night long. No one slept. We were too wired. And been nervous. And I mean, you just drink coffee all night long, just talking about this thing and what we're going to do, what's the next plan of action. Well, next morning, we decided to go out there when it's broke daylight and do a cool recon and go ahead and kind of go back to the point of origin, start from there, and then go ahead and work our way back. Okay. So we did. And we went to the original fence right there, dividing the pasture from the, uh, from the swamp where this thing jumped. Examine the fence, examine the barbed wire. There was no hair or anything, no hair, no blood in the barbed wire. So I think cleared five-foot fence. Okay. Uh, where it landed in the pasture, we saw the footprints as it ran across there. They were huge footprints. Now, I I didn't measure them on tape, but I, I, I have a, I have an 11-inch foot, and I went ahead and put heel to toe in one footprint. And my first, my left foot, and about three quarters of my right foot, heel and toe, fit in one print. I mean, that's how big this one print was. So I, I assume it's at least about 18 inches long, about four or five inches wide, and maybe wider than that. And it was huge. Anyway, we went across the faster, and I remember uh, the first print as it came over and it landed in grass right there in the pasture. We've seen it to toes, of course, as it ran across there because of the mud and everything else. We've seen the footprints, but we didn't make out toes on those. I mean, they're probably there just the way it was running as fast as it was going. We went to the, to the cavity where it had run through it. It had shattered them two by sixes, the moat two by sixes. I was just in awe of that. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that was amazing. The power that was there to do something like that. Well, you would the think barbed wire was all twisted. Vehicle to drive through it to cause that much damage. You're not lying. I'm, I'm saying, and now there was wads of hair in the barbed wire on that because it was such a barbed wire over that, and there was wads of hair on that. Dummy me. Now, remember, this is back in '75. This is before computers. Right. Before computers were out. Long before cell phones were out. You know, so there was no cell phone cameras, that kind of stuff. So we had no logging ability. Of course, the DNA testing and that kind of thing back then was in infant stage. So oh, there were, I didn't crude, know yeah. about that. Yeah, in 75. So, you know, I wish I'd have grabbed a whole, whole hunk of that hair and put it in my pocket and kept it all in years. I, I wish I would have. Now, hindsight's 2020. You know how that's say? Well, that's true. Um, At the time, so you were trying to forget it, weren't you? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that was kind of, you know, the, the whole gist of it. As it went through there now, as it went to that gate, let me explain this to you. Went to that gate and broke to that uh, cattle gate. About, you know, about 12, 15 foot other side of the right of that cattle gate was the corner post of the fence. Corner post was made out, was made out of, uh, was nothing but a, a cut down telephone pole. What okay. it was, because your corner posts are usually the biggest part of the fence system to hold the stress. Anyway, it didn't break it, but the force of that thing going through that gate went ahead and pulled, pulled that over laid it over. And it was about five foot deep in the ground, that, that telephone pole, that corner post. It laid it over. That's some force. That is tremendous amount of force. Now, also about 20 foot to the left of that gate was his, his squeeze chute, you know, and the squeeze chute's where you have your cattle, you come inside there, you can either tag them, dehorn them, whatever. Yeah. And so uh, it, it bent 
the rails of that, ski, that, that, of that squeeze chute. And that was amazing to me. In any case, uh, after it went through there, it went on into uh, uh, Honey Oaks and, and uh, saw through briar. I mean, a bunch of them. They had about three, three, three inch long briars right there. And and I know in the military, you know, we go we go on bivouacs and we go out there and train missions or we went out in the bush or whatever it was. Uh, you know, the, the, them them thorn trees, them them uh, sawtooth briars get a hold of you. We call them wait a minute vines in the military because you're going through there and all of a sudden they wrap around you. They say, wait a minute, you ain't going nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. ain't no sir. So you untwist yourself. Well, okay, so that was you know we didn't go any farther than that. That's far as we went. So. We, you know, I went back to compound, and this was on my mind. Never talked about it. Kept it under. I didn't know I'd bring it up to nobody. Well, uh, about six months later, I went ahead and PCS got orders PCS to Europe, and uh, I pretty much lost track of her. You know, we pretty much just, you know, cut ties because I was going there for a few years. But right, be gone. And so, uh, any case, when I came came back stateside in '81. Uh, I went ahead and uh, met my wife, I say, um, went ahead and we got married in 84. I started my career not long after that. I started my career in law enforcement, and I retired from law enforcement here about three years ago. And uh, so all through my career in law enforcement, never talked about this. You know, I had, you know, talked to people who've seen these things and everything, but uh, I never brought my, my encounter up. I wasn't ready to. My wife's uncle name was Lewis Gill, and uh, he lives next hell hill over from here. And uh, he was like my own uncle, and uh, we were we were good friends. We were hunting buddies. Yeah. Of course, he was 30 years older than I was. You know, he was seven, about 70-something years old at the time. Anyway, we hunted together, and we all through these woods had a good time. Well, there's a swamp uh, creek about uh, 15 miles from here, and it's called Anacoca. Anacoca Creek. Well, so I decided, you know what, I went over to his house and I said, Uncle Lewis said, how about we go, we go hunting over, deer hunting over there in uh, Anacoka Swamp. And he's, he looked at me and he said, no, no, you can go if you want to. He said, I don't go there. I haven't been there in years and I ain't going back. And I said, well, I knew the train was pretty rough over there. A lot of hills, a lot of boggy areas and that kind of thing. So I assumed that's why he didn't want to go. So I thought, well, it's okay. I said, well, if you don't mind, I'll go, I'll go up there. He said, go, you go right ahead. He said, I I don't go. Uh, I've had a bad experience up there, and I ain't going back. And I said, well, I said, okay, you get hurt or something? He said, no, uh-uh, ain't nothing that happened to me physically. He said, it's something I've seen. Hmm. Uh, my curiosity. <laughs> yes, sir, it sent up a red flag right there. I, 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 and then I, I said, oh, my goodness, my mind's going 100 miles an hour. And I had to ask. I had to ask. Understand? I I oh, I, yeah. I I I couldn't live myself with an ask. So I said, Uncle Lewis said, Look, I I got to ask you, what what did you see? He said, I don't want to tell you. I don't want to talk about it. He said, I ain't told my brothers. I ain't told my my niece, which is my wife. He said, I ain't told no one in my family about this. And he had a very close knit family, you know, lots of brothers yeah. and sisters, and then nieces and nephews and such. And even his sons didn't know. And uh, we all hunted together. But in any case, I said. Uncle Wilson said, what, what, what did you see? I can handle it. He said, no, I'm not saying you couldn't handle it. He said, I, I just don't think you'd want to hang around me anymore. You think I'm an old crazy coot. And you tell you tell my niece that I, I'm I'm just throwed off. I said, Uncle Lewis, believe me when I tell you, um, whatever you tell me, I'm not I'm not going to say you're throwed off. Well, that's when I knew I had to tell my encounter. Yes. I had to. So I did. And I told that's the first time in years since this happened that I had opened up 
It felt strange, but I, I did. And I told my encounter. That old man almost broke down in tears. He said, oh, my God, I guess I ain't crazy. I said, no, sir, I promise Uncle Lewis, you ain't crazy. And so he said, well, let me tell you what I seen there. And he told me. They, him and old boy that I knew very well, they both passed away now, but uh, Bill Hickenbottom lived across the highway from us. Well, anyway, I hunted with him and his, his sons all the time, too. Um, anyway, uh, him and Lewis grew up together. They are both the same age. And he said, back in the 50s, they were out there in a coca squirrel hunt. And uh, they was on the creek. And they was out there, you know, before daybreak, when you go squirrel hunting, of course, you know, uh, those who have never squirrel hunted before you get out there before daybreak, because when the sun, the sun comes up, you start seeing them limbs go ahead and bounce. You know the squirrels are there. You can get them. So uh, they were out there waiting. As soon as, and he said, as soon as it started breaking a little bit daybreak, but not, you couldn't make things out. just kind of forms a little bit. Yeah. And he said, look, like a, on the white sandbar across the creek from them, he said, it looked like a big tree standing there. He said, I thought that was very odd. You see a tree sitting up by itself on a sandbar. Well, sure. anyway, and they were still looking around, waiting when the sun come up, and they, they can make out things a little bit better, about 100 foot from across the creek. And they see this thing. He said, now it comes in the view that this was no tree. But yet it wasn't moving. It's just standing there. So he, him and Milton both staring at this thing, saying, good God, what is this? And they would, and of course, they're on horseback. They rode horses out there. This is back in the 50s. And, of course, some horses started breaking up, you know, a little bit, cutting up. Well, this thing then rears back. And he said it reared back, and it let out a yell that just, he said, if the hat on his head wanted to jump, I can, I can, I can concur. I can go ahead and, and, and feel that because that's what happened to me. I didn't have a hat on when I was over there in Arkansas that night, but my hair wanted to stand up. So yeah. I can, I can go ahead and, yeah, and, and feel that. And, and so, yes, sir. And so he, he said, and it did that. Boy, they and turned around at that point, it walked off. Or no, before it walked off, he said it reached up and grabbed a limb coming off a bluff above it. And it held, held that, and it turned around, walked off, and it jumped up on a, well, actually stepped off, he said, on a bluff and it went in the woods and it was gone. Well, they waited a few minutes because they didn't want to take a chance of getting over there. Well, yeah, you <laughs> want to get them. Who knows, sir? So they went ahead and they didn't want to catch them, so they waited. Well, anyway, they waited a little bit, and uh, he said they crossed the creek, went over there to the sand. They were seeing this prince, prince there in the sand. He said that limb that was above that thing grabbed, just reached up and grabbed, was about 12 foot off the ground. Oh, my. That means that thing had to be at least 10 foot tall. Easily. And it stepped up on the bluff. That bluff's about five foot high. So he said, yeah, it, it, that was convert with something that could be that tall. He said, that was the last time. They unpacked it up in the horses and they left the country. And he said, that's the last time they went, they went out to Anacoca Creek. That was, they never went again. That's what explained why he wouldn't go with me. And of course, I had second thoughts about going. But, you know, I, I, you know, but in any case, so uh, that, that was my first time letting this out the box. And then after that, uh, that happened there. Uh, he still didn't want no one in the family to know about it, so I didn't. I didn't say anything. Um, and uh, on down the road a little bit after this, I was doing a podcast for an old boy, and it's called the it's called the Howler. And what it is is a law enforcement podcast. He's out of Ohio. Okay. And uh, so we did a podcast because uh, in my talking about just different law enforcement officers, our experiences in law enforcement and such of that. And in any case, so after we got did the podcast and everything, he asked me, he said, well, hey, uh, we had a little talk and I kind of brought it out a little bit about my experience in Arkansas and what I've seen. 
Oh, he said, man, look, he said, I, I got to get you on my other podcast. Should I do another podcast beyond the shadows, beyond something like that, beyond the shadows or something? Okay. And he said, he said, uh, uh, I'd like to get you on that and talk about your encounter. Uh, you know, so I kind of, you know, hey, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so I did. I agreed to it and I went on there. And she felt good to go ahead and get it off my chest. It really did. I mean, telling to my uncle Lewis and then going ahead and getting it on this would really, I mean, helped me a lot as like a therapy, I guess, in a way. So releasing it, and uh, it helped. Well, after that happened there, he got me in contact with some other old boy that was had a podcast, and I did that podcast. It was Cryptid Creatures, I think it was. And another old boy from uh, England, I think. He was from England. And uh, oh, uh, Sasquatch Chronicles or something like that. I can't remember what it was. And he had me do it over there and that. And then I went ahead and did it with Sasquatch Theory. And uh, so he, he had got a hold of me. And I said, well, and I, every time I did it, it helped me that much more. Well, they say well, that talking about so, something does just loosen it up. You know, it, it's kind of like what they call catharsis. Yes. It helps you work through it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it, it is a lot of truth for that. I can attest that and attest that. Well, in any case, so that helped me a lot. And but I, I was on a mission at that point in time. And that point point in time it was Asquith Theory. I think his name was Manuel or something. Uh, I can't remember. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I uh he uh I told him, I said, I'm on kind of a mission at this point in time, not just to get it off my chest like I'm doing, but help encourage other people to come forward and share their encounters. I said, There's buku people out there that have have like me kept it in for all these years and get them on talk about it because of retribution or whatever you know getting people coming back on now that people are accepting this this subject better i think at this point in time now because so many sightings uh, and more people are starting to come forward i want to encourage others to come forward and, well, and, and that's, that's you good know it's no well, it is. It is. And I, I, I don't want to see anyone else go through what I went through if all my years keeping inside. Uh, you know, to encourage others, you know, who are ex-military like I am or ex-law enforcement to go ahead and come out and come forward and, and uh, peop- it is going to help them a lot. But people need to hear what, they, what they've what seen. I and you know, the more yes. it comes out, the more truth it, it, it puts to it. I know it, and I would, it's hard to accept and understand. You know, I don't to this day. I, 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 I doubt. I don't know how I say this. I don't want to say discount, but I doubt the credibility of everything we're taught in public school. I because there's a lot of truths not being taught, and we're being taught a lot of falsehoods that you know. Well, this doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. We see if nothing I else. Beg there's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. Yeah, there, there's you know. Now, what, what what was it we seen out there that night in Arkansas in 1975? So you yeah. can call it what you want. Right. You can name it Bigfoot, anything. Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Yeah, you can call it Fred. It, it, it doesn't really matter. Right. It is what it is, and it right. exists, and other people's approval or acknowledgement of that existence isn't really necessary to the creature itself. No, it doesn't. It doesn't change the fact that it, it, it exists. And I, that's where I, I sit at is, you know, people can doubt if they want to. That's their, that's their privilege and that, you know, their, their opinion. That's fine. I know what I've seen. I can't deny what I've seen. And so that's, that's the fact of it right there. So I, um, about, uh, right before my son moved to uh, Tennessee, Yes, his whole band moved out from Louisiana. His band moved from Tennessee here to Tennessee, outside Nashville. Okay, and um, 
to Murfreesboro. And anyway, so they went out there, and uh, so we went out there to go ahead and help him find a place to move to and everything else. Uh, and on the way back, he said, "Pop, I want, I want, I want to stop someplace." And I said, "Where's that?" He said, "Well, you ever heard, you ever heard of South Arkansas?" And I said, uh, "I, I, I, I know." And he said, "Boggy Creek." And I said, "Boggy Creek? Yeah, I've, I've heard of that before, you know." And yeah. he said, "Well, in South, in South, there is a Bigfoot museum." And I want to take you to it, you know, because I, that, of course, I had told him the story at that time and everything and uh, my encounter. And so he, he, you know, he, he, and he believed it. He believed, he, he, he knows, he believes in UFOs. He's seen some things that just, you know, my wife, not so much. I mean, she, she understands that we've seen something, but she doesn't, you know, it's hard. It's hard to believe if you haven't seen one. You know, I understand that because he was believing for me. Um, so we went way back from Tennessee. We stopped over there in Fout because that's only three and a half hours from here where I live at. In Louisiana, and because uh, Fouts right down the road from Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay. And so we, we stopped there and uh, went to the museum and went there and looked around. Very interesting, very interesting. And I had a chance to talk to the owner, the old boy who owned it. And uh, so we was talking, and I told him my encounter and everything. And uh, he said, uh, he said, man, he said, he said, well, he said, first off, he said, you know, do you, do you uh, know how close? Camden, Arkansas, is to here to Falk, and I said, "No, sir, I don't know," and I couldn't guess. And he said, "It's only maybe less than an hour down the road." And I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "Now you seen this thing in '75?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Now he said uh, the creature of Boggy Creek was seen out in this area in Falk area and Boggy Creek area." He said, "He said back in '71." You know, I mean, lots of times, but the recorded times with '71 and early '70s. Yes. He said, "So a few years before you seen the one in Camden down the road." He said, I think, he's what he told me. He said, I, he said, he thought that in his mind that we seen the same creature. He just think migrates. Or maybe it's more than one. Well, it's and it migrates and, and this and that. Exactly. It could have been. I said, well, I don't know. I'm not going to say it was. You know, but I, 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 it could have been. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was something else, another kind of creature related to it. I don't know. But he seemed to thought it was because the way I described it to him and everything. Now, he never seen a Bigfoot. Uh, out there in the Boggy Creek area. However, you know, he owned a museum. He said he had recorded some howls, you know, some roars out there, and he heard, and he said, unlike anything he had heard before, on his phone, and he said, would you like to hear one? I said, well, sure, you know. And uh, I said that before. I spoke out before I really thought. Well, yeah. <laughs> so he, he played it on his phone, and, 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 and just, I mean, Again, you know, all these years later, my hair stood up, and of course it was longer now. You know, I, I said, my God, that's the same exact roar I heard, you know, 40-some years ago. And so he said, he said, really? I said, yes, sir. I said, that just put, you know, chills in my back. And uh, he said he's never seen one, but he said he he, he, he believes they're there. Of course, that's why he owned the museum. He gets stories from everybody else and, yeah. and uh, their encounters. Well, from all over the country. And I told him, yes, sir. Well, in any case, so that was a really neat experience for me to go ahead and share that with him and go see the museum and everything and know it was that close, to, not that far from here. Uh, and But I, I, I want to kind of, before I forget, because at my age I forget things a lot, I want to go ahead and kind of go back to the red eye thing that Granny said she saw. Okay. This thing had red eyes. And we had talked about it previous before about how, yes. you know, we, it could, it, you know, what it, it's weird. Well, about, uh, oh, I say about four or five years ago, me and my wife were sitting down watching, uh, we were watching the Discovery, Discovery Channel. And there was a certain episode talking about deep sea life. And they had these subs that went down like 12,000 foot. 
in the ocean and looking at examining life down there. And we're watching it, and they found these new species of fish that, of course, have been around for millions and millions of years. Um, and it's in the darkness down there, because 12,000 foot deep, it's pitch black dark. Oh, yeah. The sun Can't see your hand for anything. That much water. Exactly. And it showed these fish, because of the lights, the beam lights that they had on that little sub, saw, saw these fish, and they were going. When the lights were off them, you can see red beams coming out from their front of them. Yeah, As the sub went around, Exactly. As the sub went around to the front end of those fish, you can see their eyes, and their eyes were glowing red. And the, the narrator said, this is, you know, they've had created this ability to go ahead and, I guess, find food, find, you know, shelter, what have you, at that depth and that darkness. It's their night vision, so to speak. Makes well, sense. then all of a sudden, a bell went off. Exactly. A bell went off in my, in my head, you know, and, uh, and uh, he said, he said, magic words he said now the fact that sea-based creatures can go ahead and have developed this ability over whatever amount of years whatever millions of years what's to say that land-based creatures can boy that just a hammer in my head you hear me? Oh, i went no. ahead and i, I and, and the bell off ding 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 <laughs> to what granny said and i said that related that to no now so that would almost explain this thing having red eyes maybe that's its night vision you know ability which could be exactly exactly right so is it now some people do believe these things are supernatural and they or they come from other dimensions i'm not saying they don't i don't know enough about them to discount that i'm not saying they don't my personal opinion they are creatures that have been here all along just you know we're just now you know really going ahead i mean we've just seen them hundreds of years ago thousands of years ago they were seen all over the world so we had a us and all this kind of stuff. So we, we, we know they've been seen for millions or thousands of years anyway. Um, any case, so, uh, but where do they come from? I don't know. I, I don't know enough about them to say either way, but my own personal belief is they're like a missing link. They've been, you know, part of human, part animal, whatever. Okay. Which would go ahead when I studied about them, which probably is nothing compared to what you have. I'm sure you've studied more than I have. But my take on it is this. Now, I'm putting together my military experience, my, my law enforcement experience, you know, and camo and, and all this and that in the woods and all this thing, survival training and everything else. Um, you know, the military teaches you basic camos, what the camo is. And, we, you know, people think, well, camo's getting boring, a real tree T-shirt and a real tree hat. And going out in the woods. That's not what camo is. Military version of camo is blending in to your surroundings. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Blending in your surroundings. Now, why is that so important to understand? The military teaches you how to have a camo and you know, you have because you have guys who wear ghillie suits and everything else, which is very good. But the whole the whole idea about it is human beings, we're out there in the woods and we're looking for the enemy, or we're looking for an animal, or we're looking for anything, okay, for a partner, whatever, a friend. Yeah. Okay, we're looking. What do we notice when out there in the woods? We notice movement. That's how we recognize what's out there, movement. If it's standing still, we can't see it. Okay, we, 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 can't, we can't pick it out. Right, it's okay? more, much more difficult. So, yes. exactly right. So, how many times has, you know, you've been in the woods, and, you know, and, and you're in a a field or something, and in the wood line, you say, well, I don't see a deer out there, so I'm going to move on somewhere else. How do you know that deer ain't just standing there in that wood line? You can't see him because he ain't moved. He's just staring at you. Exactly. He's looking at you. So 
animals have this natural ability. That's where we get camel from. It's from animals. Okay, their ability to freeze frame, stand in place, and they don't move. If they don't move, it's hard to recognize. That's why blending in your surroundings is so important. Anyway, so people tell me that these creatures don't exist and this kind of thing. Well, you know, I've never seen one, this and that, and all that. Well, that's fine. And I bet you he's seen you. He's been out in the woods. And when you're walking by and he's seen you because he's standing still, but he sees you moving. And when they say, well, you know, how come trail cams ain't caught them? I have an answer for that, too. If these things are have, if they're, you know, part animal and part human, which we're kind of going ahead and leaning towards more now, okay. then that means they have a sense of human intel. If they have a sense of human intel, they can reason, they can think, and figure things out. They know what trail cams are. They're not stupid. And they know how to avoid them. They know how to avoid them. So you have, you have that. Now, you, you know, uh, it, it's just, so much there to go ahead and, you know, answer questions. His answers sometimes are right in front of us because the best place to hide someplace, something is right in plain sight. We know that. Well, I've seen so I before. just kind of throwing these, uh, yeah, I'm throwing these things out there from experience and just from what, you know, uh, what I've studied and everything else. Like I said, yes. I could be 100% wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying this is my perspective on these things. Well, we're not um, dealing with necessarily and, right or wrong. We're dealing with information. Mm -hmm. And if you can provide information, accurate information, then that will help somebody else in the future. I agree. And so that that's where we're, you know, kind of looking at right there. I've had some other experiences uh, that um, and other things that I'm not really at this point want to talk about. But as far as this goes, this is something that uh, is is really, I think, now that we're having more and more people come forward with these sightings and, and they're feeling more comfortable coming forward now because more people are seeing them. They're able. And I think this is one of the reasons why we're seeing so much. They're coming out more because look at the clear cutting going on right now in this country. The yeah. woodcutters are getting out there and they're logging. They're, they're going to hit and clear cut. You know, a uh, hundred years ago, it took, it took them, uh, you know, it took them about six months to go ahead and clear, you know, 10 acres. You know, they had to do it all by hand. These days, with all you got these snips, you got all all these different, you know, uh, power equipment and everything else, and power saws. You're going everyone out there, and they clear they clear a hundred acres in, in in matter of weeks. So I think what's happening is the habitat's getting removed, and these creatures are having to go ahead and that's why they seem to see more. That's my personal opinion, again, too. Well, there's um, a precedent for that. I know that there were where mm -hmm. I lived, there was a black bear sighting a couple of years ago, and. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was working for the local newspaper, so I called the uh, person from the state conservation department. We were talking about that, and he, and he basically said what you just said. Back in the mm -hmm. day, uh, the logging industry clear-cut all the hardwoods and removed the habitat of the black bear. Well, then, mm -hmm. uh, when there were more restrictions in the area on this and the hardwood forests started to grow back, then the bears came back into Kentucky from West Virginia. So it could be right. something as simple as that. It's like uh, maybe there was some sort of activity in that area when you had this sighting in the 70s that forced this creature from one area to the other. So maybe you did see the creature that uh, the movie Legend of Boggy Creek is based on. It's it's entirely possible. Mm -hmm. it's, it's possible. I, I You know, uh, I, again, I'm the kind of person that, you know, listen, I know Pacific and I want to say. So yes. I, I told the owner that, uh, that uh, I said I, it could have been, but I'm not going to say it was because I don't know. And, that, and I'm not saying it wasn't. I, I just don't know. But it made a lot of sense. However, let me, let me throw this in real quick. Now, my, right. I told you about my wife's uncle that seen this, you know, seen this thing in Anacoke about 15 miles from there. Yes. 
Yes. My brother-in-law has seen one not too far from her either. And uh, he's seen one. We live not too far from the Sabine River. We're on the Texas-Louisiana border. Okay. And uh, lots of sightings on the Sabine. Lots of them. So there's a town about 50 miles north of here called Zuwali, Louisiana. It's other side of Manny, Louisiana. Now, Zuwali is a small town that's known for its tamales. They have Zuwali tamales. They're very, very, very powerful. People come from all over the country to go get them. They're great. Okay. Um, they have tamale festivals there all the time. However, Sounds good. <laughs> um, there's, yeah, it's really good. However, there's uh, so many sightings out there of these creatures. Yes. That it's a small area, small town, a lot of farms out there and ranches. And uh, I've been there many times. I have a friend who lives out there, and he's seen one. Now, there's so many sightings out there in Zawali that the uh, mayor of Zawali, he's seen one, and he called the BFRO and reported it, and, and they sent down the the show Finding Bigfoot. Yes. You know what that is, and, yes. and they came down and did a show episode over there in Zawali. And uh, so, and I mean, it was amazing, what, you know, how many sightings there were out there in that area. And that's like I say, so... Louisiana is full of these sightings. There's the Kasachi National Forest, which is a huge, one of the biggest national forests here in Louisiana. It's over 600,000 acres. There was another encounter I had with one of these creatures uh, that happened when I was in the military that we trained in parts of Kasachi. But uh, that's another story from another time. But any case, they're, they're, uh, Kasachi's huge, and there's lots, lots and lots of, uh, st- of, of, of sightings out there. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if you've heard before, Lyle Blackburn. Yes. Uh, Lyle, he wrote, wrote the book on Boggy Creek and everything else, you know, yes. in there and investigations and such. I've talked to him before, and, and he's came out here to Leesville, Louisiana, and uh, did a did a presentation, and then he went out there and camped out there in the Sachi for a little bit, and uh, I don't know if he saw one or not, but you know, any case, he's uh, 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 I, I like he's very influential, very influential person, uh, very knowledgeable. Seems and to be very solid, knowledgeable about things. Yes. Oh, very, very much so. And he plays music also, and so he plays in the band also, and and uh, just it's they, they, he's very open. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my son, matter of fact, plays in the band, and, and so he's he is very, very, very uh, uh, a big fan of of, of Lyle's music career and everything else too. So, but in any case, uh, so I mean, it just. These things are all over, and you know, uh, I, I'm amazed by them. I am amazed by them, but I have no desire to see one again. Well, and so I, that's why I turned down enough. going on hunts. Oh well, this for me was because I think what it what it did it it, it and this wasn't violent. It wasn't violent. Didn't try to attack us. Didn't try to attack anyone in the house. Didn't try to break into the house. It just wanted to look in the window and I guess go ahead because it's curious, whatever. Maybe it liked during his cooking. I don't know. Um, but, it, you We're know, uh, it wasn't violent. I've heard of people, you know, saying they've had violent encounters or, you know, they've seen these things get violent. I would think that these things are like any, uh, like people. We have people with good attitudes, people with bad attitudes. You know, I, I would think that. I would think that. I'm, I might be wrong, but I think that's how these things are too. Maybe you got a good one and a bad one. I don't know. There's a precedent but, uh, for that. There's been several people that I've talked to about that uh, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. have said just just that, and uh, about right. everything from uh, uh, cryptids to ghosts. But as you right. were talking there, I was thinking uh, about an earlier interview I'd done with uh, Doug Waller. He's a, a researcher. On, on the subject of Bigfoot, and he's written five books on the subject. And uh, mm-hmm. someone had told him, I wish I had Bigfoot on my property. And he's like, you might want to be careful what you wish for. 
because you may get the gentle giant and then you may get the savage. So you, yeah, know, yeah. you need to be careful about uh, what you uh, wish for. Uh, that's very true. Uh, that's very true. And I, 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 I agree with that 125%. Um, and so there, 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 there's a lot of just, you know, we're still, everyone's still trying to study these things and everything else and what they're thinking. Uh, I hate to interrupt, but, but given your, your personal experience, I think you'd be a, a, a good person to ask this question. Do you think there actually is more sightings, or do you think that the sightings were always happening and just now people are more willing to come forward and talk about it? I the latter. I believe you're 100% right. Um, these sightings have been happening for years. And people just didn't want to come forward till now. All of a sudden, more people are coming forward. It's like this. It's like this. You ever been to a conference before? A, a room full of people. Yes. And the, the the speaker, the speaker says, "Okay, I want to go ahead and see if any. Uh, I want to ask a question and raise your hand. Uh, I can ask you this question." And everyone looks. No one. You, you want to raise your hand, but no one does. <laughs> right. Until no, what? No one, one person does. Someone breaks the ice and they raise their hand. Then what happens? More people start raising their hand. You that's see, they follow the lead. It's true. human nature, and so I think that. And, and it's not copycat uh, either. It, it's you've you've broken the ice, and then people are more comfortable. You've broken the ice. You make the way. So that's what kind of like I'm a mission. I'm on right here to go ahead and kind of raise my hand here and say, okay, here I got this right here. To go ahead and encourage others to go ahead and do the same, now, and not living that, keeping it. Uh, where do you share this information? Do you have a Facebook page? Do you have a YouTube channel? Where can people reach out and talk to you about this? Well, um, they can actually go ahead and uh, uh, I, if they want to. Well, I've never had. I've had a lot of people I know on um, that Sasquatch Theory podcast. I, I did. Yes. Um, Man, I think I think his name is Manuel, who was the one who did it. I I think I can't. I hate to say his name wrong, but well, I was more meaning anyway, uh, if someone wanted to ask you yeah. specifically a question, uh, like say, mm-hmm. well, describe this this uh, horrid smell, or describe the mm-hmm. red eyes, and they wanted to contact you personally. Do you have a Facebook right. page where you talk about this, or you are you part of a a, a group on social media? Uh, well, yeah, I'm on uh, different groups on social media. Uh, but as far as, as getting with this, as far as they wanted to go ahead and, and message me or something like that through uh, Messenger, they're more than welcome to and go ahead and do that. I've had several people when I was did Sasquatch Theory, he had a comment section right there. Well, I've been and in a comment about, section too, but I, yeah, I was yeah. just there. Uh, yeah. Ahead. Well, I'm saying I, what, what happened was I, I didn't look at the comment section until about four months later. Uh, Manuel called me up and he said, "Hey, Steve," he said, "You look at the comments, man. People are asking questions." Well, I went over there, and after four months, it was over two hundred and forty-four thousand views. <laughs> and, and you see, so that's I, the reason I ask yeah. is because. When someone's interested mm-hmm. in a subject, they want more information. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, they can more than happen. They can go ahead and contact me through Messenger or whatever and go ahead, you know, on Facebook and go ahead. And I'd be more than happy to help anyone I can, you know, answer any questions I can for them, encourage them if they need encouraging, whatever. I mean, that's that's fine. I knew how I was. I mean, I, I and of course, it took me years to go ahead and come forward. Years. And, and finally, when I did, my goodness, what a relief it was. That's why I tell people in the comments over there, 
Sasquatch there. I said, I said, man, look, I said, I, I kept it in all these years. I encourage you to come forward. You know, a lot of them started telling me their stories and encounters. And I said, man, you need to contact me. You want to go ahead and, 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 and tell him your encounter. Well, yeah, but mine isn't. No, no, there's no such thing as important, not important. Tell exactly. them your encounter. Yes. Because people need to hear that. I don't, you know, and uh, I, I, so that, that's what, you know, the whole thing is, is people need to hear it and it'll help you, you know, and, and so I'd encourage them to do that. But yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, I don't have a channel. I don't go, I'm not, I guess I'm not computer savvy, so I don't go out, I don't have a, a YouTube channel or some people to contact me. I don't, I don't do that. I, I just more or less, I'm just like a good old country boy that I'm here to help anyone who needs help, but I'm not that computer. Well, I, I understand that completely. But you were talking about coming forward and everything. Yeah. One of the recurring themes, matter of fact, the recurring theme when I speak to professionals, mm-hmm. they say, well, you know, people reach out to us and they say, well, I don't want you to think I'm crazy, but, and, and mm-hmm. that's a hesitation because people don't want to be thought badly of. They don't want to be belittled. And definitely don't want someone oh, yeah. to think that they're mentally deficient. But if you well, saw sure. it, you saw it. So well, that's, that's those it. That's concerns it. are off the table. And if you can share sure. your experience, what's well, it like with, mm-hmm. with the podcast here? I'm, I'm sharing your story. I'm not trying to prove mm-hmm. it or disprove it. I'm giving you a right. voice. It's up to the listener sure. to decide whether or not you're credible. And 100%. People just uh, would, but they hesitate. And I understand that if you can remove the hesitation, then maybe we can get some better information, more information. Well, I, I agree. I, and I agree 100% with that. You know, I mean, on, on some of the, uh, the Bigfoot sites that I've gone on to, and, uh, you know, I've I put my encounter on. And yes. I get a lot, a lot of good feedback, and a lot of people asking, you know, different things, and, and that's great. And I get a couple of knuckleheads come on there and say, "Oh man, look, you know, I think you're, 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 you're lying. Those things don't exist. I think you're just, you're on drugs or something like this." And I tell them, "Hey, man, look, I, it's your opinion." I say, "That's fine. It's your opinion. I'm not going to change your opinion. I'm not trying to prove, trying to prove to anybody these things exist. I'm just telling you what I saw. Exactly. You know, and and that's it. You know, and so it is what it is. I, I." I I can't twist your arm. I'm not about to do that. You know, you, you know, and I, I, I end up end the conversation with, uh, I guess you're not going to believe until you see one yourself, which I can correlate with because prior to seeing this creature, I did not believe they existed either. And so, you know, I told him, I said, look, I said, so I understand your position. I was in your shoes at once and it took seeing was believing for me. I said, maybe that's what it takes him. So, I mean, that, that's everyone's going to have their own thing on that. And I don't knock anybody for not wanting to believe in it. I know I didn't believe in it before. So, you know, but there's things in this world. We live in a world that is unsure. We don't know. We're, we're taught in public school what their, their version of reality is. And as we go through life, we understand that reality is not what we think. I learned that in the military. I mean, I, and like I said, there's things I won't talk about, but uh, I learned that in the military that uh, there's lots of stuff that we don't know and that we're we not. think we know more to. than we actually do. It's just like, I know that Thailand exists, for instance. I've heard a lot of people mm-hmm. talk about it, seen pictures and everything else. I've never walked mm-hmm. through the streets. I've never uh, eaten food from a vendor. So if I'm mm-hmm. expecting personal experience to be my proof, well, in that case, Thailand doesn't exist. <laughs> so, right. Uh, I agree. You're right. That's a great a good analogy right there because exactly right. And uh, I agree with you 125%. It's just, you know, 
so much is happening. So much is happening. People are now are, are, are really coming out with UFOs, alien encounters, this and that, and everything else. You know, I have a whole different take on UFO situation, but that, that that's neither here nor there. But I, I'm I'm saying is, you know, I I believe they exist. However, there's a lot more to it than I think people realize. However, I don't discount people's testimonies of what they see. I don't discount them. I I I firmly believe what they've seen. You know, and what they've seen more likely is real. You know, we say, oh, well, we, we're, we're this, this planet right here, we're just only life, only life in, in the universe. I don't believe that for a lick. I mean, if you look at the picture, start from the bottom of it, you know, there's more than, you know, just life in Kentucky or Louisiana. There's exactly. life in Texas yes. and New York and California. There's more than life in the United States. There's there's life in Europe, Australia, life everywhere. So you, you have, you, you know, and then from that point, you go, well, if there's all life everywhere else in this planet, what and it's teeming with life, what's to say there's not life in other planets out there or other universes or other dimensions, what have you. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're still in the primitive stage. We don't know. You know, we have no idea. Oh, well. We don't. There are those that do, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> well, see, well, it comes down to as simple as this. If mm-hmm. you are impressed with your own knowledge, it's generally mm-hmm. a sign that you've stopped learning. Right. You need to know that there's always more. But I think sure. uh, for right now, I think uh, that uh, is pretty much uh, an encapsulation of uh, where we're at on cryptids that uh, – we uh, need to keep an open mind and learn more. Oh, 100%. We, uh, you know, we, we don't know what's in the bottom of our oceans yet. We have no idea what exists down there. We're, uh, and uh, and we have no idea what exists deep, deep, and deep in, in, into the woods. I mean, uh, you know, I was born and raised in Southern California. Okay. So I was 18 went in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, up in Northern California, you get up there in the high Sierras. There, there's tens of thousands of acres up there that have never been touched by human beings, you know, recorded. And so we don't know what's all out there. We have no idea what's in these deep woods. We have no idea what's in these mountains, what's existing out there. We have no idea, you know, and uh, so, and I'm sure there's a lot of things out there existing that don't come into the cities, don't come into the, the towns because they want to keep away from people. And I don't blame them one bit. Look how crazy human beings are. <laughs> so, I wouldn't want to hang around. Just, if I was an animal, I'd keep away from us. So, as, you as know, a general we, rule, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's only yeah. when we invade their habitat that, that we really see. That's exactly it. And so we have to look at that. I mean, and, and to prove that, to prove that, you know, I'm, like I said, I hunt all the time through the woods, and I come across hornet nests all the time in these trees out in the pin oak, pin oak flat or something. See a hornet nest sitting about, you know, five, six foot in there yes. on a limb, and, you know, it's there. And I I won't know it's there until I turn around, and it's like four foot from me. But you know what? As long as I, they're out buzzing around and doing their thing, as long as I ain't trying to mess their nest up or anything or mess that when that's with them, they're doing their own business. They're tending their own business. They ain't worried about me. Right. And, now, and as long as you're not harming them, they honestly can exactly. care less what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. But see, you go ahead and whack that nest, then you better have it on your mind. That's but, true. And other creatures are the same way. Animals the same way. As long as we don't, you know, show aggression towards them, they're pretty much going to, you know, leave us alone to a certain degree. I mean, there, there's various instances in that kind of thing. Unless they're hungry. <laughs> you better, <laughs> and then you better again, get out. If if they're hungry or threatened, it's an entirely different ball game. 
Yeah, you lied. So, you know, that, that, that's the whole thing. But in any case, so that's uh, that's it. But I just, I just, you know, to everyone, just to put this cap on it, everybody listening to this, you know, uh, uh, if you have a, an encounter and you want to share it, come forward and share it because it's, it's going to do you a world of good to get it off your chest. But it's also helping to encourage other people to come forward too. And I believe that 100% because I'm a product of that. Well, that's so. solid advice. And I appreciate you taking the mm-hmm. time to share your experiences and your thoughts on that. Yes, sir. Not a problem. Well, in that case, uh, for the moment, then we'll we'll uh, uh, wrap it up. And if you have any more encounters you want to share in the future, just reach out. We'll have you on again. Sure, will, Charlie. I sure appreciate you. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, thank you, and you have a wonderful evening. You too, sir. This is Charles Romans, and on behalf of myself and our guests, thank you for joining us on this walk through the shadows of legend. If you like what you heard, please follow us and visit our website at shadowsoflegend.com and support our Patreon page to help keep the content flowing. And if you would like to be a guest and share your own brush with a stranger paranormal, don't hesitate to email us and include a contact number. The strange and surreal, the normal and the paranormal are all aspects of the world in which we live. As you reflect upon the stories we have shared, Keep in mind that the people sharing these stories are actual, real people just like us. Were the stories shared compelling enough to be given credibility, or should they be relegated to the deeper part of the shadows? But when determining this, it might be a good idea to keep an open mind, because when we look around, we might discover that our own world is less brightly lit than we once thought. Until next time, I'll be waiting for you in the shadows of legend.